Today's Ringer NBA show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by Talk the Thrones. Make sure to watch the Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, mother of dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own Jason Concepcion are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on the Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones, and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris Burnett. Joining me as he does every week from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. most what like famous Americans under 40 or like I, I just saw this what? big lead. <laughs> you and Tate Frazier, who is the producer of the NBA show, both made like what was it, like 40 best Americans under 40 years old or something. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. I, I I I'm just happy that me and two of my coworkers, Tate Frazier and Kevin Clark, were on the list. That, that was cool. Oh, the humble one, Kevin Obamer. Okay, it was a big lead. Forty media personalities under forty. A big congratulations to you, Kevin. Thank you, Chris. And we I met also, for the first time last week. We did meet for the first. Yeah, and a lot of people when I put that up on Twitter. Um, it's very flattering for uh, for many people that listen to the show. Um, they were stunned that we had never met before, um, given the chemistry we have on the show. So I, I was very proud of that. I really was. But for, that is a true story, folks. We had never we did the we did the entire season. We did all through the playoffs. We have done the off season. And last week in Las Vegas was the first time I had ever met Kevin O'Connor in person. I also. After, uh, I think you were gone already, I met Charks, Jonathan Charks. And why did yes. nobody tell me that he is a giant? He is huge. He is tall. How tall is Charks? Like six foot three, six foot four? Oh, no. He's, he's taller. Tall dude. He is taller than I that. I don't know if he's taller than that. Oh, yes. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to send him a message like during this podcast and ask him how tall he is. And I'll and let you know I, if I hear back. And now I'm short, but he's really, really tall. And I thought he was the tallest guy. And then I met the guy, Nate Duncan, who does oh, the. Nate's huge. He is really, like, he's got to be like 6'8. He is huge. He's bigger than half yeah, the basketball maybe, players. I think he might be around that size. Maybe 6'6, six, six, something like that. He, yeah. he, he's a tall ass dude. Yeah, the only people that made me feel good about myself were I tried to stand around Yogi Ferrell as much as possible. <laughs> Yogi Ferrell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, didn't see Isaiah Thomas or Nate Robinson strolling through, though. Oh, no. I, in fact, uh, Isaiah Thomas was there and was with Floyd Mayweather. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I was there that day. Very shocking to see both yeah. of them. You realize... You realize how tiny Floyd really is. He is tiny. And it's it's he is very jarring because you're used to, you know, boxers and they don't obviously he doesn't look tiny in the ring. He's fighting guys of like size and everything's so up close. But when you see him up like 
close. He is he is a tiny person, and it's it's odd to think this is one of the great pugilists of all time. I also I will tell you when I saw him, I thought to myself that guy is not going to that that guy's punches are not going to hurt Conor McGregor in a major way. I don't want to get into the boxing and the, that that fight and everything, but I will tell you if you're ever if you ever see him and you see how small he really is, to think that. He's punching you and hurting you when you're a, a much bigger guy would be, I don't know, he's great. And he might, maybe he just dots his face up completely and, and leaves him totally bloody. But he's small, <laughs> man. He's small. He is small. So I, I'm, He's compact, though, man. He's built. Him and IT. A lot of those small guys are just compact, pound for pound, one of the yep. strongest guys in the league or whatever sport they play. That's for sure. So uh, the Summer League finally wrapped up. We did get to meet in person last week, and we cut a show from Summer League, and we gave some of our thoughts from there while we were there. Um, it all wrapped up last night. Championship game, which unfortunately did not feature Lonzo Ball. But he was – you. yeah, you wrote an article – uh, on the ringer about takeaways from Summer League. And some of them were specifically about the Summer League. Some of them were things that you had talked to different people about while you were at Summer League. But Lonzo was the first thing that you mentioned. And we did not get to see him in the championship game last night. But I got the sense that after this, this was my experience, uh, the Lonzo experience during Summer League. I felt like even amongst the media, there was a lot of hating going on and resentment going on, and game number one made people, they took some kind of perverse joy in it that he struggled so much and and missed so many shots and you know looked kind of wide-eyed and they were interviewing the dad, whatever. And then by the end of the week, I got the sense that it was, oh, no, he figured it out, and this kid does things <laughs> that nobody else does, and he is as advertised, and he's going to be a fantastic NBA player. I think he, after game one, he totally flipped the narrative. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Chris, especially the part on, like, there's just a lot of hate, a lot a lot of hate, you know, against Lonzo Ball. And I, I thought Kevin Pelton said it best. I forget, you know, his exact words, but he tweeted it out last week. You know, it, can you imagine, like, just watching Lonzo Ball and just hating watching him play? I mean, I just think there's so much joy in the way he plays the game, the way he passes the ball. There's so much beauty in the way he he's just so unselfish on the floor. And I I love watching him play. And that was kind of like part of the topic of the conversation um, that I wrote about in the article you mentioned, where it's just like this is one of those guys where he just makes makes everybody better on the floor. We see it in summer league with his ability just to push the ball up the floor. Um, like someone tweeted me the other day, who's a better passer in the summer league, Ben Simmons or Lonzo Ball? And my response, my initial response was Lonzo Ball easily. Um, the, the reason for that is just because of the fact that like, he doesn't need to pound the ball to make guys better. Like we saw the punch pass he had, you know, when he kind of punched it ahead to one of his teammates, just the way he gets the ball, he taps out rebounds, little things like that, where he doesn't need the ball in his hands for a long period of time. Cause he knows what happens. Like he's always surveying the floor, even when the ball's not in his hands. With that said, like Simmons is a better playmaker and a better ball handler. So he might be better at able to take advantage of those skills. But Lonzo just talking specifically about his pure passing vision. I don't know what there is to hate. Like, ignore LeVar, 
ignore all you know the the noise around him with how, like how Lakers fans are going to be loud about it just talk about the player and like just just enjoy that because Lonzo Ball is going to make the NBA better and he's a lot of fun to watch and the other thing is when you were talking about surveying the floor some guys some guys in the NBA at point guard and some of them are even starters on teams when they're even in the half court they don't see everything that's going on this whole feel for the game thing that kid will get rebounds, defensive rebounds, and the second he turns his head around to go the other way, he sees everything. Some of those full-court passes that he threw were just outrageous. He sees everything. like He sees 90 feet of the court and where everybody is and where everybody <laughs> is running. He is, he is a rare, rare talent, man. He is, I'm in on him. I, uh, I would it, be shocked if he does not end up being extremely good. It's like he's playing 2K, where he yep. has the camera above the court and he can see everything that's actually happening. That's what it's like watching Lonzo Ball. Yeah. And then last night, of course, they have to play that championship game without him, but they end up winning the title last night. And then after the game, the celebration. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> can we come on with the Summer celebration? League champs, baby! I mean... Woo-hoo! Okay, so we have this moment last night where Magic Johnson says the Lakers are back, (laughs) which (laughs) is a bit strong. We are going to make that our Captain Morgan's moment of the week. The Lakers are back, says uh, last night Magic Johnson, and it appears they were like popping champagne or whatever else, and for a moment... I must be honest with you, Kevin. I had forgotten it was Summer League, given given the excitement of last night's win and Kyle Kuzma uh, with the 30 points and Magic saying the Lakers are back. I thought, uh, let me just say, I thought that was a bit strong. Yes, it's very strong. We're not quite there yet. They're coming back, but they're not back. So Ma- Magic, I-, I respect Magic and his positivity, Chris. You know, I think it's totally cool, but they're not quite back yet. They're getting closer, though. What do you like about the outside of outside of Lonzo? Was there anything else about the Lakers that you were that you cared deeply about? Yeah, um, a couple things. One, Kuzma. I mean, he looks terrific. He, uh, he's going to be like a big topic of conversation in my article tomorrow on TheRinger.com. Uh, I just think Kuzma, his intensity, um, his hustle on the defensive end of the floor was really, really, really encouraging to see. Uh, obviously, he's not going to shoot 48% from three for the rest of his career. But the fact is, is that he has good fundamentals and good mechanics, and he looked damn good in summer league, very confident. Um, also, just the fact that the Lakers played good, unselfish basketball. Uh, I think like a lot of times in summer league, like you see players, especially a guy like Vander Blue in the past, he just takes every shot he can take, like at every opportunity, he'll take a shot. But this year, Vander Blue in summer league was willing as a passer. And I think he kind of, as an individual, stood as an example of, how I think I don't want to use the word self selfish, but how a kind of a score first mentality guard can even can really evolve and change his game in a system that preaches ball movement and kind of unselfish play. So it was cool to see Blue evolve within that system because the Lakers were moving the ball, man. Like they played good basketball. It wasn't just Lonzo Ball. It was a lot of the guys in that team. So that was fun to watch. They did have a good summer league team, but Magic Johnson after the game saying the Lakers are back is the uh, 
That's our Captain Morgan's moment of the week. You got to pump the brakes, Magic, on this one. Uh, Captain Morgan's <laughs> moment of the week. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. You wrote about a couple of other guys, um, and and we touched on them last week after I had seen a couple of them in person, and I was glad that two of your takeaways included other players that everybody started buzzing about. It's not the end-all, be-all by any means to be great in Summer League, but this was a very highly touted rookie class, and many of them lived up to or exceeded expectation. One of them you mentioned was Donovan Mitchell. I raved about him last week. Um, I saw him play in person no less than uh, two. I might have seen him three times. I know for sure I saw him twice. And I also had watched him in that... Utah Summer League on NBA TV um, where he was going back and forth with Tatum. And this kid, he's the one, he and Dennis Smith Jr., two that you chronicled in the article, I thought made the biggest impressions on me by far. And I thought both, um, I know that it's just Summer League. I know the basketball is crap. But when you watch those two kids, (laughs) if either of them becomes busts, I will be absolutely stunned. I foresee no circumstance where both of them are not extremely good NBA players, and both of them could very possibly be stars. Um, and so you you chronicled them. Uh, is there anybody else? I mean, the, the, is there anybody when you were writing this that you're thinking – who are the players I really want to mention, or was it just totally clear cut? Obviously, you got to talk about Lonzo, but those other two, Mitchell and 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 Smith, are the ones. Uh, just two quick thoughts on Mitchell and Smith. Uh, like for you know, if anybody does think, oh, Smith, what he does won't translate, you know, maybe he's not going to score thirty five points like he did in the summer league, um, but his defense will translate. Um, his intensity will translate. Uh, just his rebounding at the guard position and, and the little hustle plays he makes, that will translate. His spot-up shooting will translate. So Mitchell, the reason why I liked him so much in the draft and why me and Sharks and Danny Chow all did is just those, those abilities are a good foundation for him to build on. And like what we saw in Summer League is just the, the long-term potential. Uh, and then with Dennis Smith, I think there's a chance he ends up the best player in this draft, but... I feel like he's getting a little bit overhyped in some ways after Summer League. And I forget who tweeted this, so I apologize for stealing like a very smart line. But but someone said how like Summer League is like a pickup game, right, in some ways. And Dennis Smith is the ultimate pickup game player. And that's very true in the sense that Smith's game is perfect for the style of play. So granted, he looked incredible. I mean, in the pick and roll, like like I wrote about, just fantastic. And then you imagine him with Nerlens Noel and Dirk Nowitzki, you know, on the floor with him. He's going to be really, really good in the pick and roll. But with that said, um, I, I feel like some of the hype that's come as a response is a little bit much. Um, people saying he should be top two, top three pick. Uh, I, I think there's still some flaws in his game in terms of shooting the ball, in terms of the decision-making, in terms of defense, that he's really going to need to iron out in, in order to become an elite, elite point guard. So Smith, uh, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on him, even though I, I'm in love with his game and I think he has a chance to become one of the best. So he's one of those guys where it's like, let's let's relax a little bit because we saw what happened with Chris Dunn last year, another guy whose game is really perfect for the style. So I, I think give, give Smith some time. He's going to have to iron things out in the NBA, whereas Mitchell, I feel like, 
is ready to come in right away and play a role, even though he might not be as dynamic as Smith. I was happy for Jazz fans, too, because that's something to get super and seriously excited about after what was a crap summer, right? They just got totally gut-punched, but there's nothing more fun than having an awesome young player that you know is going to be on your team for uh, the foreseeable future that you can really get behind and root for. And I think they've got a possible Absolutely. star on their hands with him. And I say that because I gave a little background. I went I went around some more after uh, after we recorded that podcast last week. And I can't recall all the things I said about Donovan Mitchell, but surely I'll be, add, be able to add a couple. So when I asked, I think I mentioned last week that I had asked somebody about Donovan Mitchell and they told me Patino loved him, which tells you everything you need to know. Right, that the guy like Patino doesn't love anybody, right? And he's a <laughs> the, the kid is a he's, a he's a bulldog out on the court, and Patino swore by the kid. Well, I went and talked to uh, Glenn Cyprian, who actually coached the Grizzlies summer league team. The Grizzlies played against uh, Mitchell, and it was the game he had like thirty eight, and he had like eight steals. And I watched the game, and I thought, I'm, I'm it looks like you put a four-time NBA All-Star out on the court with the rest of these guys. Like, he's just so much better than everyone. Um, And after the game, I talked uh, to the coach about Donovan Mitchell, the Grizzlies coach, and he told me that now last year he was a personnel guy and a scout for the Grizzlies, and he went to Louisville to go to one of their practices and said that during the course of the practice – he was looking at all the players, and Patino came over to him and said, Sip, that is the best shooter I've ever had. And he said he almost, I mean, he mm. almost fell over. Now think about everybody that's played for Rick Patino. Everybody. I mean, you're talking about NBA, college, guys like Jamal Mashburn, Paul Pierce, whatever. He said, that's that kid is the best shooter I've had. And then he said, after the practice, Donovan Mitchell walked straight up to him. And said, Coach, my name's Donovan Mitchell. Um, is there anything, any kind of tips you can give me that'll help me on the next level? And he was like, I was just blown away. And evidently, the backstory on the kid, his dad's like a triple A baseball manager. And the kid like grew up around professional athletes um, his whole life. And just, I, I, I'm telling you, every single person I talk to in Las Vegas, either, uh, and uh, not, None of which were jazz-related people did nothing but rave about this kid, both on and off the court. So I think I'm pretty much all in on Donovan Mitchell, Kev. Charks is six foot four, by the way. He's no, he's not. To me. No, he's not. Six foot four, and he no. asked why. Uh, I said Vernon. Vernon wanted to know. Oh, you, you know <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> hold on. Let's take a step back. He was wearing high heels. I saw him. He was in drag. Hey, hey, forgive me. He was in drag when I saw him. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope Chuck's doesn't hey, listen to this. A, another, another, he doesn't listen to this. Another thing, by the way, everybody should have told me. <laughs> he said, he said uh, you claim he's seven foot. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness I'm not going to ever, uh, hopefully I won't see him in person until next summer. So. Yeah. I won't yeah, have to forget about it by then. I won't have to deal with that ogre trying to <laughs> smash my head in. Yeah, you won't get caught with a haymaker from sharks. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell, yeah, Mitchell. all in on Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all in too, man. Like he, he has 
like we talk all the time, you know, in sports and on the internet and on Twitter about like intangibles and don't he Mitchell has it like he has those intangibles. And, and I think for him, like you look at his backstory, he didn't start playing basketball full time until the end of his sophomore year in high school because a wrist injury kind of forced him to think about quitting baseball. And he did. He made the choice to commit himself to basketball. So when you think about it, He's only been at this for, for four years, you know, playing exclusively basketball. Um, there's a lot of multi-sport athletes, you know, across sports. But for Mitchell, he's been focusing on basketball just four years now. And he, he had an interview somewhere. I forget where it was. But, you know, when I was doing some background on him recently, you know, he basically said, like, he's surprised all of this has happened as quickly as it has for him, right? Um, scoring 35 points in the summer league against some of the best college competition, the best international competition, stunning for someone like him. And yet, you know, he's remained humble through it. And I think, you know, the example you gave with him asking about ways he can get better, those are good qualities, man. Like those, those are good signs that he's going to keep getting better. I really, really like that kid. And I think, I think there's a chance he ends up becoming the steal of the draft. He's one of the 10 guys that I think has a chance, a chance, at least of becoming the best player in the draft. One of the 10. All right, Fultz showed well, Ball showed well, people love Tatum. Let's get to the fourth pick, which is Josh Jackson, who you chronicled. Your biggest takeaways about Jackson? Because you wrote about his Achilles heel. Yes, Jackson, good. He was good. I mean, he's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to complain over here about his game. He, he was good. But at the same time, like, the jumper still needs to get better. It's the same thing it was in college. Um there's no there's no other way to put it the jumper needs to get better for him to really take advantage of the rest of his skills as spot up shooting shooting off the dribble free throw shooting it all needs to get better Uh, one of the things i wrote about is he changed his free throw routine like he kind of moves his left foot backwards before he shoots it's something i remember paul pierce did in the past it's something lebron james has done before shifting the left foot back and then moving it forward before shooting it's not something he did in college but at the same time his actual form like when he brings the ball up and releases it that hasn't changed at all uh, from what I can tell his his jumper hasn't changed either and it's little things like that where it's like damn I mean somebody's gonna get him in the gym and have him revise his mechanics there's little things I've written about before in the ringer um, I alluded to it in the article on Monday where it's like he does need to make some fundamental changes in order to become, I think, not just a good shooter, but a more consistent shooter. I mean, he had his stretch during the college season where he shot like 18% from three and then he shot like 40%. I still think that was just small sample size, a hot streak. I, I don't think it was real. And and I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his shot, especially in the early years of his career. He needs to get better. It's, it's really simple as that. Like maybe he will and I hope he does, but... There's no denying that he needs to make massive strides as a shooter. A little reminiscent of two guys that I really, really like, and he may be a little better shooter than them, but I really, really like they get they bring the tenaciousness and that uh, dog to the fight in, 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 yes. in the games, but it's been the shooting that has, much like you have said, two guys like that, Kid Gilchrist and Justice Winslow over the course of the past five, six years. Those are two guys that I remember. Like, they're never going to be crappy, ever. It is just a matter of what is the line between them being all-star players, right? Yeah. Because they kind of they they I love so much of what they bring to the table, but you're right, the shot is what holds them back from being, you know, whatever their their peak is as a player, 
that's what kind of holds them back. And Jackson's, you know, that's going to befell him too. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Because I will tell you, watching him in person, um, I, I loved all the other stuff, right? I'm willing to say, we'll figure the shot out. Because the kid does so much other stuff. He attacks all the time. And at worst, he is going to be, he has all the goods to be an elite level lockdown defender. Um, it was funny. I watched the Suns, and he stands out. And he did not have that great of a game, but he's just got so many tools, and he's so good with the ball at his size that I really foresee great things from him. The other kid on his team, though, and I don't know what your opinion was. I'd have to go back and look. Coming out of the draft, the kid they took last year, Chris, uh, Marquise Chris, he Kevin, he was awful. I mean, yeah. He looked heavy. He looked winded. Like, everything about it. Like, if you would have told me that that kid was as high a draft pick as he was and that, you know, people really, uh, they projected him to be something very, very special. Maybe I just went to the wrong game. Maybe it was just, you know, I don't know, summer league, and it was the third. Maybe it stayed out all night before, but he didn't stay out and gain 20 pounds. I'm telling you, he looked out of shape. He just, it was bad, man. Like, I, I, I can't, I'm sorry, but I just, I'm telling you, I'm relaying this. I, I was at these games. These are the observations you have. What we do is overreact to Summer League, but I was, I was so out on him uh, after watching him in person. And I, I honestly, I did not recognize him at first. He has, uh, he has changed his body for the worse. Did you see him, Chris? Yeah. Yep, yep. He, you, you, you would like a guy in the second year to look better, or not the same or worse, and, and Chris didn't look great. And, like, the big problem with his, his Chris is, like, he still fouls way too much. I mean, that was an issue for him in school at Washington as a freshman. And so when he was fouling, like, out of games for the Huskies, you'd say, okay, yeah, he's just 18, you know, he'll get better. But then last year with the Suns, he's still fouling a lot. He's still fouling a lot now in the summer league. So it's like – He's still only 20, right? I, th- I believe he might have just turned 20 maybe even this month or last month, something like that. So he's still really young. Uh, but at the same time, it's like that's something where, like, you need to be on the floor in order to get minutes. You need to be – in order to get minutes – to get minutes, you, you need minutes to develop. So it's like for him, he needs to be available and playing consistently and playing, I think, smart. And for him, like, we haven't seen that a whole lot. Wasn't he like a mega athlete? He he oozes potential, though, man. Yeah, he's an elite athlete. Yeah, he was a mega athlete. Dude, I'm telling you, that athleticism was not there. Maybe maybe a little too much partying. Who knows? I mean, I I didn't see many Suns games there. I I believe I might have only seen like one or maybe one and a half, something like that. But you saw him up close against the Grizzlies. Um, So look, man, like he's an athlete. I mean, like even if he's out of shape right now, when he's in shape, I mean, that dude, that dude can really explode, really can explode. So I want to be too worried about that unless like unless it's the type of thing, like you said, with his with his um, weight and his conditioning, unless that just totally declines, then then there's really very little use for him. Because, like, you, you asked me what I thought about him prior to the draft. I had a lot of mixed thoughts. I mean, like, like we're talking about right now, I kind of feel exactly the same now as I did then, where it's, like, explosive athlete, you know, theoretically could be a versatile defender. You know, he can shoot a little bit. 
but you know the fact is is like his feel for the game is really bad his effort isn't great you know he he doesn't always stay in his stance defensively you know body language isn't great uh i mean there's a long list of issues with chris where it's like he oozes potential um at number eight with the sun's got him i like the value there um but there's absolutely an element of risk and like bender like i texted you about bender last week um, I had a I had an NBA writer tell me I forget who it was and I I, I wouldn't say their name anyway but like so, an NBA writer said to me like a lot of people were think like really down on Dragon Bender um, at summer league thinking he's like a bust and it's like dude he's only 19 right now he's only 19 like granted like he has some really bad moments out on the floor uh, like he's still only 19. And like he's he's someone that when the Suns drafted him fourth last year, they knew he was gonna take time. They knew there was gonna be moments like he was gonna look like garbage early in his career. And he's had a lot of those moments where he looks like trash. But he's also had moments where he looks pretty good. And you saw one of those times like last week, Chris, where he had a great second half against the Grizzlies. Yeah. Well, he did. Here's here's the here's the problem with him. Now I I was glad that was one of those moments where the first half I thought he was so bad and I almost tweeted something about it and then I was glad he didn't <laughs> because then he got a and one and then he got a three and then he you know showed a little hustle whatever you know what i think hurts him is and this is you know maybe a mistake for people to do but porzingis was so awesome right like we saw it and yeah, so that's a, that's a mistake if that's what people are hoping no for. but i'm just saying when you when you draft a guy in the top five it's like we could tell with porzingis immediately right and I will tell you, with Bender, you cannot tell me. I listen. I I was not watching Porzingis. I was not watching Dirk. I was not. I know what those guys look like and have always looked like. He ain't them. But the book is no. God no. For goodness sakes, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to look up one day and he's one of the great players in the NBA. No way. Absolutely <laughs> not. Now is he a bust or am I out on him? No, I'm not that. Could he be a, a a good player? Could he be a guy that ends up making a boatload of money one day? Like a, like even Bagnani made a boatload of money, right? Um, and I hate to I hate to just compare them all to guys that have come from overseas, but in fairness, it's the first time we see them is when like unless you're like watching on YouTube or you're a international basketball fan, our awareness of them is not until they come. So I didn't have some kind of strong prior opinion about what Dragon Bender would be on the next level or what Porzingis would be or what Hazonia would be or whoever. Um, but I would tell you, much in the same way that I've told you with some of these guys, I would be shocked if they don't turn out to be really good. Um, if that kid turns out to be one of the great players in the NBA and was totally worthy of his draft position, I will be surprised. Even though he was not terrible, I still I don't I didn't feel like I was watching anything special i think bender if he does become great he'll become one of those i guess non-traditional superstars where he's a super versatile defender at seven feet can defend the rim a little bit can switch you know switch pick and rolls and defend on the perimeter who can run a little offense for you kind of kind of like and i hate i really hate to compare him to this guy but a little bit like the draymond mold type of player he's not gonna be draymond because nobody's nobody has draymond's intangibles but that mold of a player that's where i could see him developing into that type of type of mold and like in my draft guide last year i i called him a super glue guy and that that's kind of the way i think of bender and those guys are important 
I think that's the value uh, uh, co-worker at the ringer Jonathan Chark saw in Jonathan Isaac. Just those like super high-end role players, they're important in the league. And for Bender, like for him to ever become that, his shot's going to have to improve. He, he shot like eight threes a game for the Suns this summer, and he only hit like 28%. Small sample size and whatnot, but that's kind of a continuation of what he's done in almost every level. So he needs to get better as a shooter, and obviously his body needs to develop. All the things everybody, you know, every player has to do when they're young, but his shot more than anything else needs to improve for him to make a, a significant, consistent impact. Yeah, I'm not ready to make some kind of grand statement about him, but they need that one to hit because I would be, I'd be very worried if I was a Sun. I'd feel great if I was a Suns fan, obviously, about Booker. Euless excites me. Booker excites me. Jackson excites me. Um, Bender, I'm a wait and see, but Chris would be the one I'd be really worried about. Of their, like, young, accumulated oh. talent. Okay, I, I just want to tell a really quick Tyler Euless story. Yeah. When I was in Phoenix, uh, writing the story in the Suns, after a game one time, like I introduced myself to Tyler Ulyss, and like after I shook his hand, like I realized his nose was like dripping, like he had like the worst cold like ever, like he looked like he looked so awful, and I, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, can I ask you a couple questions? And it, like I realized that as I was saying it, and he's like, yeah, man, give me one second. I was like, no, actually, like I realize you're sick. It's all good, man. Like forget it. It's all good. And he's like, no, dude, it's all good. I want to chat. It's cool. And like. Two minutes later, he came up from the bathroom. Like his his face cleared up a little bit. He probably like put like a face cloth on his face to clear his nose a little bit. And like he was so kind, and we chatted for like five ten minutes or something like that, just about basketball and about the Suns and about his teammates. And so like I really really appreciated him when he was feeling like he looked really bad, like really sick. Um, and he took the time out to chat uh, about about hoops. It was it was really cool. He's a good kid, and like that's it, it was really an example firsthand for me. Um, for everything you hear about him as a leader, um, as just as a high character guy to have in your locker room. And granted, he's only 21. He's so young. He is somebody that I think improves your locker room, especially um, on a young team like that. You, you list as someone who could be important for the Suns moving forward, regardless of how the guys we already mentioned develop as players. He's and a really he, good guy and a really good and player. And he and all these little guys owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to Isaiah. No, they do. They owe so much to Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas changed. Yeah. He really changed the perception. Um, those old school guys just, you know, there ain't anybody that looks like him. And obviously the bar of being Isaiah Thomas and one of the top two or three scorers in the NBA is too high. But they were discriminated against, for better or worse, right, for many, many years. And now is not the wrong time to be a guy under six foot. They will give you a chance now where very few got that opportunity for so long. Uh, he's been a, he's he's one of the most significant short people of our time. Isaiah Thomas, Kevin, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right behind you, Chris. Yeah, right, right behind you. Right behind me. Right You're number me. one. I can't wait. I can't wait till the big leads list comes out of a short short. I think this. <laughs> I got a big competition. The, the tall media members are the ones that stand out. Short media oh, members. Man. I'm gonna have like mad competition. Big. There's time. a lot of tall people out there, man. Uh, not true, in the it's media. It's true what they say about about tall tall people. You know, find a lot of success and rise up in power. It's, it's truth, man. That's what I I knew it. I knew that's why Charks has his job. He's tall, and he knows about <laughs> basketball too. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 it's because he's tall. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else lower in the draft? Uh, since we talked about the guys that really uh, made impressions on us while we were out at summer league, anybody else a little bit lower that you? Uh, that you yeah. cared about. Mine was 
Yeah. Uh, actually, the pick after Donovan was uh, the kid from the Heat. I really liked Bam Adebayo. Bam. I did. I liked him, man. He is a hustler. That Joker will block shots, rebound. Um, you know, he's never going to be like some kind of ten-time All Star, but he's going to help people win games for sure. I liked. I liked him a lot. Me too. Me too. Uh, Adebayo is like re- really cool player. Re- really cool to see him. You know, really, I think burst onto the scene and really catch catch a lot of people's eyes in summer league. I, I like him a ton. Um, I-, I believe Danny Chow and the Ringer might have had him ranked highly as well. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Bam fan. You know, two two guys I'll be writing about for tomorrow um, that stuck out. Besides Kuzma, he's going to be kind of the focus of the article. But Jordan Bell and Shemi Ojale. Ojale drafted 37th by the Celtics and. Uh, Bell drafted 38th by the Warriors after they traded 3.5 million in cash consideration to the to the Chicago Bulls for Bell. Both those guys look terrific. I mean, they embody all the versatile versatile qualities you'd look for in high end role players in today's league. Ojale is just, I mean, that dude it, it looks like looks like Hercules out there. I mean, he is so built. I haven't really seen many guys like that in the league with his body type. Uh, just Google Shemi Ojale, S E M I O J E L E Y E, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That dude is strong, can defend bigs, quick enough to slide on the perimeter, and he hits threes. Like I have no doubt. Like if the Celtics give him opportunity, he could contribute in a min- minimal role this season. And then Jordan Bell. Same thing, man. Like we saw it, you know, in March Madness with his ability to switch and block shots from the weak side. Jordan Bell looks damn good, dude. Like the Warriors got another good player two years in a row with the 38th pick. Last year they traded 2.4 million to get Pat McCaw. This year traded 3.5 to get um, Jordan Bell. Like they know where to spend their money. They know how to target players. Um, they know how to develop players. And Jordan Bell is going to be the next guy that people see. And, and Jordan Bell. Man, like it wouldn't surprise me if he de- if he plays a lot this year. If they don't bring back JaVale McGee, and I wouldn't bring back JaVale McGee knowing they have Jordan Bell. He looks good. Really yeah, good. there are t- the two guys that I loved going into the draft. I mentioned this to you many times and put it up on Twitter. But there were two second-round picks that I just thought, this is insanity. And one of them was Jordan Bell, and the other one was Cinderius Thornwell, um, who actually had some really good games for the Clippers. Um and I he think is he is what I thought he was. Like both of those guys to me were like, what more do you need to see? One of them was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. The other one was the SEC Player of the Year. And it's like enough already with the over analysis. These guys amongst their peers were better than them over and over and over again. And both of those two carried teams to the Final Four. You know, I mean, if it weren't for... Bell, and by the way, his teammate who played for the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks, looked fantastic too. Um, What you start to realize, that Oregon team was a great college basketball team um, who ends up, it's going to end up with at least four guys in the NBA off of it. And then again, when when is South Carolina ever in the Final Four? Never. The answer is never, by the way. (laughs) And the fact that they were there, and he was clearly the best player on their team, it's not the end-all, be-all, but Here's what you do know. When you get to the second round, you can you can get way far ahead of the game just by drafting somebody that you know is not going to suck. And there was no chance either of those guys. It was a matter of how good they were going to be, but they were not going to suck. And I thought both were the victims of paralysis by analysis. You know, NBA can be very ageist when it comes to players, right? The worst thing you can be is 21 or 22 years old. Um, 
and and you miss on guys because they want to take the 19-year-old that they think can be even so much better when they're 21, and many times it doesn't work out. You said you were going to write about Kuzma. I just went and looked it up because uh, he was great last night. Um, a lot of people were very high on him when I was at Summer League. He is part of that Lakers' new young core. But I had forgotten how they got that pick. That was actually... Do you know this? Uh, well, you're about to write about it, so you probably do. He is part of that trade, ostensibly. Um, Brooklyn got D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov. The Lakers got Brooke yes. Lopez and the 27th pick. So it was it, what that pick turned into Kuzma. So it was really Lopez and Kuzma for Russell and Mozgov. Huh. Pretty good, man. Yeah, that could Pretty look a lot. Deal. That could that could look a lot worse for Brooklyn, right? If Kuzma is even a semblance of what I he appeared to be. I, I don't know if it looks bad for Brooklyn, though. I li- I like Russell. I, I'm a Russell fan still. I am too. Give him time. Give him time. Yeah, I but they had to clear the way. You know, off the bandwagon, but I'm a fan. No, but they had to clear the way for Lonzo anyway, and they got off Mozgov's yeah. contract again. That it was a it was a big sacrifice. But we will see next summer what that enables them to pull off, right? Because many, yeah, I mean, many when, see when, ev- when they get LeBron and Paul yeah. George, and then, then they sign and trade some guys for John Wall. I mean, they're gonna be stacked. <laughs> yeah, I I'm actually, only half joking. I'm only half joking. That's like kind of a lot. I mean, the fact that I'm a little bit serious about that, you never know. You never know. All right, uh, you never know. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I am going to ask you about there are still free agents left out there, Kevin. So I'm just going to run through the free agents available at the different positions, and I'm going to ask you who you want out of the group. And I'll go point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, and we'll just go through who who the top available free agents are left and who Kevin O'Connor would want on the team. We'll be back right after this. Today's NBA show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. If you're like me, you're not so great at planning ahead. You've got to try Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight is an app that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute, up to seven days in advance. It's perfect for a spontaneous getaway or indulging in a little staycation. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last-minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Show's also brought to you by Saks Underwear. Guys, you may think all underwear is the same. Quality doesn't matter, but it does. Don't put on a pair that rides up, chafes, that you'll throw out in a few months. I, I Dead serious, I was in Vegas all last week. It was between 110 and 120 the entire time. And thank God for Saks Underwear. Um, I made the switch to Saks Underwear, and they've got it all. Comfortable fabrics, great supportive design, their ballpark pouch, uh, and I love them. I wear them every day. I'm a fan of their Vibe line. I also really like wearing the Kinetic when I'm working out or like when I was walking around Vegas all the time and you know you're just going to be drenched. These things are a lifesaver. Outside Magazine just had an article about how Saks has revolutionized underwear the same way Gore-Tex revolutionized jackets. It's true. 
Saks has taken something we all need and they've made it better. Total comfort with moisture wickening benefits, great support while moving around freely, and most of all, no chafing. I want you to try Saks underwear with my special limited time deal. Go to my URL, saxunderwear.com slash NBA, and you'll get 20% off your first purchase. Pick up a few pairs. Go to Saks, S-A-X-X, underwear.com slash NBA for 20% off your first purchase. Go to saxunderwear.com slash NBA. All right, Kevin, top free agents left. You just tell me who you want. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but it'll at least um, it'll at least let our listeners know who is still out there and available uh, for their teams. And you tell me which of the guys you want. All right, point guard. Do I have, like, generic average team? Am I, like, a generic, like, just smack in the middle? Like, yeah, so we are know, not going to – this is not contingent upon fit. Okay. Okay? Okay. I'm just asking you which cool. guy you want. Derek Rose, Ty cool. Lawson. Darren Williams, Brandon Jennings, Ramon Sessions, Brian Roberts. And again, these are not all encompassing <laughs> lists. I'm just jotting down uh, those are available point guards, and those are at least a group of names. Uh, give me Darren Williams on the vet minimum. All right. He wants Darren Williams. Shooting guard, Tony Allen, Ian Clark, KJ McDaniels, Aaron Aflalo, Allen Anderson. <laughs> Um, who was the second one? Ian Clark. Ian Clark. Give me Ian Clark. Even though I love KJ McDaniel's, I've kind of started to give up hope. If I have a team with a shooting coach, I'll take KJ. Otherwise, I'm taking Ian Clark. All right, forwards: Jamichael Green, uh, Nikolai Mirotic, Dante Cunningham, Shabazz Muhammad, Thomas Robinson, Terrence Jones. Yish. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, clearly, give, give me clear. Jamichael Green. Yeah, clearly Jamichael Green's the best of those. I know, I know. I think, I think you know, Jamichael Green will go back to the Grizzlies. Um, I think he could even sign his uh, his uh, um, thing, his his offer sheet um, to go back there for and become a restricted free agent next summer. I think that could happen because well, what's the market for him, man? I'm right, a big fan of him, but it's it's actually at the, at this point it's Brooklyn or nothing. Either Brooklyn just throws their money that they have not been able to spend, and they have made life hard on a lot of people over the course of the last couple of years, right? Yes. They, threw, they threw the offer yep. sheet at Crab. They threw yep. the offer sheet at Tyler Johnson. They threw the offer sheet at Otto Porter. I mean, they, they are not scared to throw an offer sheet on somebody or make it a poison pill. So yes. it's yeah. either – Who knows? Yeah, it's either Brooklyn or nothing. I mean, that's the leverage because everybody else is pretty well out of money. Atlanta just spent theirs and – yeah, there's and Phoenix says they want to keep their money open, so it's really Brooklyn or the Grizzlies, I would think, for Jermichael Green. Yeah, I think. I, um, I think he might just end up signing that qualifying offer. We'll see that, what happens. Though. That's interesting. Yeah, the the market went against him for sure, but the Grizzlies have to retain him after losing Zach Randolph. They have no other money or power forwards. Mm-hmm. They have to. Um, yeah, cent- need a starter. Center. Nerlens Noel, are we even going to count him? I mean, Dallas is just going to re up on him, right? You would think, but what's taking so long? I mean, I think yeah. I think what Dallas is probably doing, and I guess this is smart, maybe not though, uh, is just wait for a big offer sheet to come in, and if it comes in, match it. If it doesn't, well, then maybe you have leverage to give him a little bit less than perhaps what he was hoping for going into the summer. That's that's what I think. I yeah. could be totally wrong there. I, I'm not sure. I'm just guessing. But I think that's logically what could be happening with Noel. These other names are kind of meh. Mason Plumley, Powell, Alex Lynn, JaVal yeah. McGee. I mean, these are not. 
What, what do you think? The, what did what Pow opt out of? I mean, is he going to make that back or was that a right? Didn't remember Pow opt that out of his contract and like he's just yeah, kind of hanging out there million. now. Huh? Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like 16 million or something like that, I guess, or something around along those lines. I guess reportedly uh, Woj reported today that they're working to finalize a deal. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, maybe he'll get more years instead of who knows instead of uh the 30 million over two years i'm not sure exactly but it, it was an odd, odd thing when it happened during a busy 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 week mm-hmm. with rumors and all that stuff and trades and everything um so we'll see what happens I, I think he'll be back with the spurs but i'm i'm very 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 interested to see what the money he is he gets yeah i just went back and pulled back the story this was uh the one that the uh, ap put out it said gasol declined a six million dollar option on tuesday with the intent of signing a long-term deal with the spurs so the franchise can gain some flexibility to hit the free agent market, uh, signed a two-year deal last summer worth thirty million, and so yeah, sixteen point two million is what he opted out of. Yikes! Oof. Maybe he'll get two years, eight point one per, or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, then you're getting paid. <laughs> Didn't you just say eight point one? Then you're getting yeah, paid. But I mean, yeah, but then you're look, getting paid we, the we, same. We see of- player. We see players take pay cuts a lot, though. Yeah, so Spurs maybe for him, he's like, "Oh yeah, look at my net worth. You know, I'm feeling pretty yeah. good. Like maybe I can take a little bit less money to allow them to do other things." You see, Spurs take pay cuts a lot. Don't don't. <laughs> That's yeah. who you see pay, you pay see, cuts. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, you see Kevin Durant too. There's, you see guys in other sports, Tom Brady, David West. Um, not not a lot. Not the the list is short. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think Pau Gasol has made? I, I actually have it open right now, so this is like I cheating. did one hundred eighty-seven million four hundred forty-nine thousand seven hundred sixty-one. Yeah, I think he can afford it. Yeah, he's only made one hundred eighty-seven point four million. A hundred eighty-seven million. Yeah, damn, and that doesn't include like you know commercials and you know signing and signings and all that. That's uh. Investments doesn't include that, the good ones and the bad ones. I mean, obviously it also doesn't include taxes being taken out, but he's made a boatload of money. That is for certain. All right. So, yeah, so uh, of the of those centers, I, I suppose Noel would be the one that you would want, right? Yeah. Uh, and besides Noel, uh, maybe McGee. <laughs> I don't know. But my, Noel would absolutely be the one. Yeah. So there are a lot of names that are still out there, but I just don't know how many of them are really going to. How many are really going to move the needle for somebody? You know, James Michael McAdoo. Tate wants yeah, just to McAdoo. talk about James <laughs> yeah, Michael McAdoo. Tate just needs uh, James Michael to find a a good team to be with so he can keep rooting for him. Taking all applicants, and so now. that he can get into NBA parties. You know it, Chris. There's yeah. a there's a lot of players that like you look at their names and you think that they should be on a team right now. There's a lot of guys. I mean, they might not be good players. They might be end-of-bench players, but there's a lot of unsigned guys that you would think would be on a roster. It's hard gig to stay around for a long time, you know? Especially with a loaded rookie class coming in. Loaded rookie class that everybody's super high on that is now. I mean, you don't see a lot of – many times in the past we don't see rookies the the way being cleared for them, right? Like 
Donovan Mitchell's going to play a ton, and, and Lonzo Ball's going to play a ton, and he's going to start, and Dennis Smith Jr. is going to start, and Markel Fultz is going to start. I mean, you look at all – there are so many of these guys that are going to walk right into the league and play. Um, And that's, that has not always been so. But this class is so good that a lot of them, not only are they going to be on rosters, they're going to be in eight and ten-man rotations immediately. Yes. Yep. Um. And so that makes it even harder. And like, and even like some of them are going to play in the playoffs too. Pat McCaw playing in the finals last year. Jordan Bell could be playing in the finals next year. Mm-hmm. If if you were the GM of the team with the 38th pick in the 2018 draft, and the Warriors called you saying, "Hey, we'll give you 3.5 million for your pick," are you hanging up the phone? If I'm the Bulls, I would. <laughs> I mean, listen, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm sorry to the Bulls fans. I really am because God bless. They, uh, just what a debacle of an offseason. Now you got the Wade thing hanging out there. Um, I, you know, I was skeptical, kind of eye rolled when they drafted Markinen with the, with the seventh pick. And part of that was just compounded by the fact that it was the Jimmy Butler deal, right? Like if you took somebody at seven, that I could foresee becoming a big star. It's possible. So it's possible that, to me, that Malik Monk could be a big star. It's possible that Dennis Smith could be a big star. It's possible that Dennis, or Donovan Mitchell could be a big star or whatever, right? It is impossible to me to believe that is going to be a big star. So the fact that that was the deal... And with the seventh pick, that's what they used it on. And nothing at Summer League changed my mind. In fact, it confirmed it even more. There is no chance Lori Markinen is ever going to be an NBA All-Star. None. Now somebody's going gonna... to... I would say that's bold, but it's like not that bold. <laughs> no. It, well, somebody... like, I'm totally right there with you. No, somebody I, will... I think he's going to be like... He's, I mean, look, like he could be Ryan Anderson. He could be Channing Frye, and that's a quality player. But you're talking about, you know, the guy, the type of player you want with the number seven pick, he ain't it. Channing Frye. He could be Channing Frye. <laughs> I, think you said, I think you said it all, Kev. <laughs> I think you said it all. I I, I, I gotta say I don't want to. I hate. I really hate to pile on the Bulls, but I, I just want to say like one thing about Markkanen that an NBA executive said to me like way back in like January or February. We were talking about Markkanen, and and this was a time where like I was really liking him. Um, and I guess this conversation kind of like I guess uh gave me some clarity in terms of you know a different perspective with Markkanen. Um, in terms of like his rebounding, him rebounding like a guard, him defending, you know, not very well at all. And one of the things the 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 executive said was he doesn't think Markinen is as good of a shooter as, as people think he is. Like he shoots 83 percent from the line, 43 percent from three in college. But his point was very interesting. And we might have started to see this a little bit in summer league. He thinks his release is a little bit too low, uh, where he's going to have shots contested easily, where he could have a poor percentage when contested, only good when open. And, I, and I'm very curious to see if he does shoot at a lower rate than people think. Um, I, I personally think his shot's fine, just in my assessment. But this guy I chatted with is a hell of a lot smarter with me, has been doing this a lot longer than any of us have. So 
I'm curious to see how his three-point percentage develops um, over his rookie season with the Bulls and over the early stage of his career because his release is a little bit low. Um, he's going to flamethrower th- three-point shot, but that's something just to watch for, just, just the thought to have in your mind as the season approaches. Final thoughts. Uh, after I left Summer League, you know, we got this downtime here for a while. Inevitably, some of these free agents are going to be added to teams and rosters will start to take complete form. Um, but I got very, very excited about next basketball season after seeing all of that young talent on display in Las Vegas. I do. Th- it was my first time there. I know it was your first time there. But I do think we, though the basketball is not great, you can't make maybe we'll get burned on making some sweeping judgments from what we saw there, just given the circumstances of the games and the rosters and whatever else. But um, I do think that this was a very loaded uh, group of young talent that next year is going to be littered throughout highlight packages, et cetera. They are fun to watch, man. They are really Jackson's fun. Fox is fun. Ball is fun. Dennis Smith is fun. Fultz is fun. These aren't just like good basketball players. These are like super entertaining basketball players. So I think that's what my overall, I think that's like the biggest thought I had leaving there was I'm pretty excited about next year because these kids not only do a lot of them have a chance to be great. They are, they're fun watch. Even in those shitty summer league games, they were fun to watch. I think you nailed it, Chris. That's my big takeaway. Uh, prior to the drafts, you know, one, one talent evaluator I, I chatted with compared the draft to 1999, um, a, a draft where in the top 10 there was only one bust. Uh, Brian Colangelo said prior to the draft that there's five or six, quote, surefire all-stars. I'm with them, and I, I think that's the truth. I know a lot of people are going to respond saying, oh, it's just hype, it's hyperbolic statements, it's just summer league. But this draft is damn good, man. And like that, that top ten, the top ten players, you know, at least in my evaluation, I think could all have a chance of being the best in the draft. After that, it drops off a little bit. But even then, like there's still good players that are going to be had, as we saw um, early in summer league. There's going to be guys that contribute early. Um, there's going to be guys who I think people question immediately. Why did he fall so far in the draft? We're already starting to do that with Kuzma and Ojale and guys like that. It's impressive. Yeah. It's really an impressive no. class, and I'm excited for the future of the league. My prediction would certainly be we will look back at this draft and it will be an amazing NBA draft that netted yep. some big time, like the next great wave of players um, was drafted this past year. I do believe that. He is Kevin O'Connor yes. from the ringer.com. Keep a lookout for the NBA articles that are coming out throughout the week. Uh, if you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. And I do want to tell you... Uh, very deeply appreciated for all of you that reached out last week. Uh, we joked about never meeting each other before last week, but we really hadn't. <laughs> and we got great response from so many people about listening to the show throughout the year, being surprised that we had never met in person. Um, and for those of you that have gone and given us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, we are uh, forever indebted to you and greatly appreciate it because that, that stuff does matter, and it certainly helps us with the podcast and grow the podcast. So a big thank you. I'm never the guy that writes reviews for anything. So for those of you that have gone and done it, um, I, I thank you a lot, as does Kevin. And thanks for listening to us. We'll still be knocking stuff out. We'll still keep uh, – I think we're still doing the pod every week, so we'll have to come up with something else to talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it, Chris. My man. Thanks, Kevin. 
Thanks, Chris. That was fun. It's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. We will catch up with you next week. NBA show brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Things change, the weather changes, your mood definitely changes. Why lock yourself into plans that might change? With Hotel Tonight, you don't have to because you'll get incredible deals on awesome hotels even at the last minute. Booking on Hotel Tonight gives you the freedom and flexibility to play things by ear while knowing you'll score a great price and a great place to stay. So download the Hotel Tonight app to find seriously amazing deals now.